Good morning and welcome back to another We Are Sutherland Morning Briefing. I almost said good morning and welcome back to Jack Clark Does It Again, but we'll get on to that a bit <laughs> later. Um, this morning, I'm joined by Scott Wilson. How are you doing, Scott? I'm very well, Matty. Hope you're well, mate. Yeah, all good. Again, just a little bit of housekeeping. So we are Sunderland, of course. We are live. There's been plenty of good content going up over there the past couple of weeks. If you haven't um, had a look at the website, head over there, subscribe. It's one pound for just six months, and we're in partnership with the Sunderland Fan Museum. Now, Scott, the weekend, obviously, you were you weren't there, but it was on the face of things. It's it's a good result, isn't it? Yeah, I was I was covering Borough this weekend, so we can maybe touch on them later as kind of uh, where the two clubs are in, in mm. relative terms in terms of the playoffs. But I was obviously what keeping an eye on Sunderland from afar and, and obviously um, caught up on the highlights and everything. And hey, the Jack Clark show is not far off, is it? Because I, yeah. I, I promise I won't turn this into a Borough uh, video as well. But what sat watching Borough, the key difference for me between them and Sunderland is they don't have a Jack Clark, a, a player yeah. who in a fairly tight game that's kind of drifting around, which was very much what Borough's game was as well, a player who can just shift the dial in one moment. And that's why, for all the issues, all the problems that we know are still there, you know, all the questions, I still think Sunderland have a massive, massive chance of getting into these playoffs as long as they keep Jack Clark fit. Because between yeah. now and the end of the season, he will turn the course of three or four games Sunderland's way, whether it's by scoring the type of goal that we saw at the weekend, whether it's by an assist, whether it's just by getting them up the field in really tight situations and relieving pressure that's been building. He is that player for Sunderland and he does make that amount of a difference, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm trying not to laugh because I turned to Joe inside the first half and just said, He's having an off game today. He's not really doing anything. But <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah. Barley Mumba. Barley Mumba's got his number. As you know, the, the Sunderland were just really slow, sluggish in the first half. Michael Bill came out and said, "Look, didn't beat around the bush." He said, "Look, we had some choice words at half time, but after the break, it was just like you'd watched a, a different team. That they came out and they just absolutely blew them away. I think. I think even at the start of the game, you thought if Sunderland score here, it, it could have been like four or five, but Obviously, Plymouth scored the first goal, and I was a bit disappointed in Morgan Whitaker because he's someone that I've been looking yeah. forward to seeing. Now, Sunderland kept him pretty quiet, but Plymouth's first goal, like sometimes you've got to just hold your hands up and say, like, that was a real moment of quality when they've yeah. half cleared it to the edge of the box. And Whitaker, the one thing he did all game was hit this first time through yeah. ball, which just split the defence. and. Ryan Hardy's had a lot to do from there, but I was going to say, to be fair to Hardy, he's finished it really, really well. Yeah. But it's a hell of a ball from Whitaker, isn't it? And, yeah. and, and, and I'm like you, I've watched it back three or four times, and you're kind of looking to think, well, which Sunderland defenders at fault here? Yeah. I'm not really sure any of them were. I think every now and then you've just got to hold your hands up and say, that's a, that's an absolute cracker, and it was. Yeah, yeah, that well, that's Michael Beale said all four goals were good after yeah. after his press conference, and I mean you. you Sometimes you've just got to agree and, and hold your hand up. Like, fair enough. I don't know. Plymouth Plymouth were a funny side. There wasn't a lot between the two teams in the first half. But then second half, Sunderland just seemed to come out and just blow them away. They they went back from... They were lined up in a 4-2-3-1 with Abdullah Bar centrally. Yeah. And it's something that we've spoken about on here and said, you know, that that that's something that, you know, should affect or could take the shackles off Sunderland going further forward. It didn't really work. It actually, 
they were actually better when they dropped Barr a bit deeper into like four three three, like they have set up in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in under Beal, and they were a lot a lot better that way. Just it's going to be hard because I think I'm going to just wax lyrical about nearly every player second half because that's how good they were. But Dan Neal in particular, yeah. dear me, what a player he's becoming, especially like just the past couple of months. Even when Sunderland have been struggling, I just think he's been head and shoulders above, like just everyone, bar maybe Jack Clark. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think I think what you saw in that second half is that Sunderland do have an awful lot of threats, energy, power through that central unit. That when it clicks, they yeah. can really put a lot of pressure on teams in a sustained kind of 15, 20 minute spell. Yeah. You know, when Neil's dictating play like he is, when Equa's making the kind of rampage and charges that we know he can make, when Bellingham's coming on and adding his creativity, and then you throw in the kind of match-winning abilities of Clark into that, there's there's a there's a kind of core unit there yeah. that can put teams under an awful lot of pressure and take a game away from a team in 20, 30 minutes. And, and like I say, you know, we keep coming back to it, and I'm going to probably reiterate this umpteen times in this vid, but... They've also got the finisher in Clark to actually take advantage of that. Yeah. Because I think what you see quite a lot of times in the championship, um, or occasionally in the championship, is teams are capable of doing that. They're capable of putting together 15, 20-minute spells. But what they don't have is a bit of quality that can actually mm. take advantage of that and turn that into what, in the end, is a reasonably comfortable win. Sunderland do have that when Clark clicks. So... It then just becomes a case of, well, how long can they sustain it for? And can they keep yeah. teams out at the other end? And that's probably going to be the question mark in terms of will they actually make the playoffs between now and the end of the season? Because like I say, for me, provided Clark stays fit, he will turn three or four tight games by himself. It's just a question of whether Sunderland can stay in the game for that to matter, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, they've certainly looked a lot more solid, I think, under Michael Beale that if you look back at the, the shots on target from Borough, I think it was just two shots on target at Plymouth again, just two. It's they are starting to look like a side that can, you know, they can shut teams out. Of course, yeah. the problem maybe has been at the other end. That's maybe stifled creativity a little bit. And I know obviously so much of, you know, the talk has been around strikers and not scoring, but again, Nazari Rusin, wow, I, I thought that's one of the best performances I've seen from a striker this season and not score. I actually yeah. thought he did everything. I thought his hold-up play was great. I thought he ran the channels really well. He stretched the play. I just think, again, like we've said, consistency and giving people a run. I think Michael Beale will rotate, you know, given that there's three games in 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 a week nearly. We obviously saw that in the midfield area, but I think he's got to stick with Rusin. I just think, particularly if you go away from home, he'll stretch teams as well. I just think he's he's playing really well as well at the minute. Yeah, well, I think, you know, if you go back, what, a month, a couple of months ago, we were still in the kind of period where we yeah. were saying there's the four strikers, they're all much of a muchness, none of them are doing anything. What we need yeah. is someone to put their head above the parapet and say, pick me, I'm the one between now and the end of the season. Well, like you say, not necessarily through weight of goals, but through everything else in his play, Rusin has done that. He now is unquestionably the number one choice to lead the line for Sunderland. And I think, you know, hopefully the days of having to play with a false nine and yeah. putting um, round pegs into square holes because the other options aren't very appealing, hopefully they're gone because, like you say, yes, 
he's probably not going to score five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten goals between now and the end of the season. But I suspect if Rusen plays, you know, the vast majority of the games between now and the end of the season, he'll definitely make the rest of Sunderland's attack more potent because he ties up defenders yeah. in a way that when you had Pritchard playing through there, uh, when you've had Bellingham playing through there, they don't do that because they're not they're not that kind of striker. Mm. They're not going to play with their back to the goal. Rusen's willing to do that. And so he does tie up opposition centre-halves. He does create the pockets of space that the likes of Clark, Job, um, Equa can then exploit. He looks confident as well, I think. I think yeah. for some, for somebody who still hasn't played a lot of football, I, I think you can see his confidence is starting to grow. With Michael Beale spoke about you know the, the connection between his teammates. I just think even on the pitch... The only way that's going to grow is by him playing minutes, getting game time, and you can see that starting to grow. I think, yeah, absolutely. He's needed a run, hasn't he? And clearly he's benefited from that. I mean, I think we probably have to accept as well, you know, when, when Michael Beale was talking in the week about um, his family now being over, yeah. actually, I think it was after the last game, wasn't it? His family yeah. being over and, and the fact that he's got a child who's now in the country. And, you know, we, we, we forget that he's Ukrainian. Well, you know, without clearly want to state the obvious there's an awful lot going on in that country and if you've got family over there i'm not surprised at all that that, that your head's not you know a, a bit scrambled when you move to a new country you're trying to settle in but your family's in in a war zone i mean that that's got to be incredibly difficult so you know it, it's surely no coincidence that a change to his kind of family and, and life setting has also helped him because mm. i think it's easy to underestimate how difficult it is for, you know, who, who are to all intents and purposes. I know Rusin's not a kid, but he's a young lad who's never yeah. made this kind of move in his life before. And his family's, as I say, you know, on the other side of Europe in a war zone. So I think that's a massive factor. And then, like you say, on the pitch, he's getting game time. He knows he's being trusted more now. He's starting to build up a relationship with the players around him. He's got that little bit more confidence. He's probably willing to try things now that he maybe wasn't a month ago, two months mm -hmm. ago. It's all building into the fact that he's just looking a much more settled player now who is much more attuned to what Sunderland need him to do when he's leading the line. Yeah, and I think that sort of leads us into the next point. I was, I'm not going to make a big deal ever out of it, but you know, it, it's easy to forget that sometimes these, these people are human beings. I mean... You know, Michael Beale, someone who's come under a lot of criticism for, you know, is is just the way he set up his Sunderland side. And fair enough, if if that's your viewpoint, your standpoint, that's fine. Some of the comments that were directed at him, you know, when he was under the cosh were, were maybe a bit um, uncalled for, especially, you know, after it's, it's come out what, what he's been dealing with in his family with his young niece, Poppy. But I thought that was a real, real touching moment during the game. And you could tell he was cut up in his post-match yeah. press conference. And I just think that was nice to see the start of a bond forming, I think. And I think, you know, after the win over Stoke, it was talked about water under the bridge. And I felt like that that was a real, real nice moment for, for Sunderland fans to show, look, you know, it's it's we are all in this together. Yeah, I think that's exactly it, isn't it? You know, I mean, I think personally, it will have meant a lot to Michael Beale. Yeah. You know, we can't even really begin to understand what his family's been going through and, and clearly, you know, really difficult times. But I think you're right. I think in the wider context, I think, it, it, you know, we might come to look back on that as a pretty important moment further down the line, just mm -hmm. in terms of starting to draw a line on some under some of the angst that's been going yeah. around. Now, Michael Beale's not going to win over every Sunderland fan. And, and, and like you yeah. say, yeah. you know, 
everything in the garden is not necessarily rosy. There's still issues with, is Michael Beale the right man? Should Tony Mowbray have gone? How is he setting his side up? What kind of a Sunderland team does he want his team to be? All of that is, is still in the melting pot, don't get me wrong. But I think at the very least, what this does is it starts to draw a line under things a little bit and say, look, the Tony Mowbray era is gone. We can hark yeah. back to it forever, but but it's gone. Michael Beale is going to be the head coach of Sunderland for the foreseeable future. So, you know, we're all going to kind of have to come to terms with this and, and find a way to make it work or make it work the best everyone can. And that's Beale himself. That's um, clearly the fans. It's the players. It's the staff. It's everyone. You know what I mean? And, and I think that was an important moment in that. And like you say, just... Just a little reminder that, you know, this is Sunderland Football Club. It's bigger than everyone. We're all in this together. We all want Sunderland to get out of this division this season, if at all possible. You know, there's two two massive months coming up now. Let's pull together and give it a go. And then if it doesn't work, then that's going to be the time for recriminations and asking questions and, and really digging into if it does go wrong, why is it gone wrong and were the right decisions made? But at the moment, you know, Sunderland... Clearly, they were in the top six. Yeah, they, you know, they've dropped back out with with the Coventry result, but but they're right in there, aren't they? So yeah. it's all to play for between now and the end of the season. Yeah, and I think you know, me and Joe spoke about it, Dom as well. I don't think I've had the pleasure of being on here with you for the past couple of weeks, but I know that we said you know this this run of games is 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 key, and they've started off on the right foot with a win over Plymouth again. Yeah. If you string together together a couple of run of results, all of a sudden that draw at Borough, you're thinking, poor, what a good result that was as well. Yeah, well, that's it. And, I, you know, we've said you can never, the championship's the championship, isn't it? Yeah. We, we, you know, we all know it's it, what, what, what you're looking at on paper can often be very, very different. But Huddersfield, Birmingham, Swansea, Norwich, yeah, okay, then you've got Leicester and Southampton, but then you go QPR, Cardiff, Blackburn. It feels like there's opportunities there. It, yeah. it feels like it's the kind of running run of games that, at the very least, offers Sunderland a, a real, you know, a, a real opportunity to stay right in and around those playoff positions. Then you get into Easter, then you get on the other side of Easter, and you're absolutely in the running. Then, so um, it's just about maintaining that momentum, isn't it, and, and keeping things going. And I think you're right. You know, had had Sunderland not got themselves back into that game on Saturday, had they gone down to a 1-0 defeat after losing, falling behind, then things would very quickly have, have got flat again. And, and like you you know, all the all the questions, all the, mm. all the frustrations, they're all right back at the surface now. Now, you know, if Sunderland can go away on Wednesday night and, and get another positive result, clearly a victory would be a massive result. A draw on the back of a home win is probably not the end of the world either. Yeah. It keeps the men going. <clears throat> I think if Sunderland can just keep on ticking over, you know, stay sixth, seventh to Easter, then yeah. they've got a real, real chance. Because, as, you know, as we saw last season, get past Easter and it, and then if you get momentum going, well, it's probably the game changer because that it was for Sunderland last time in terms of getting them over the line in those final weeks. Yeah, I think as well, just looking back again at the Plymouth game, it it's one of those games. I mean, how many times have we seen Sunderland in the past score a goal down like like Hull, recent example, the goal goal down, they don't really look like scoring yet. They're huffing and puffing, but that, that just had a real different feel to it. It had a real yeah. different feel to it. Even from the stands, I thought after the halftime break, the supporters were right behind them. It wasn't it wasn't flat. That it just felt like there'd been a change. I don't know what, what that change was, whether it's it's to do with Michael Beale and finally starting to win people over. I know we've seen, you know, Joe's done a bit on that. Um, conversation there, 
if you then head to Huddersfield and, and you get another three points, all of a sudden the talk of Tony Mowbray, etc., is is forgotten and it's very firmly on this team again. And that's probably how yeah. it should be for, for the latter half of the season. Yeah, and you know what? Huddersfield are a funny team, aren't they? they, they yeah. They're clearly capable of scoring goals, but they also leak goals. You you suspect it'll be a reasonably open game on Wednesday. I think that will play into Sunderland's hands. It's, it's a kind yeah. of a way game where if Sunderland even remotely click in the final third, I'd fancy them because I think Huddersfield will give them opportunities. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's hard to disagree with that, isn't it? That the only thing from what we've seen in Michael Beale's tenure so far, and I acknowledge that it's a small chunk of games to look at, but the one game that's probably slightly similar to this would be Rotherham, and that's the one game where I thought that Sunderland weren't at the best with Rotherham sitting with men behind the ball. It's hard, isn't it? Because I watched Huddersfield at the start of the year, but that was under Warnock, so it's what you're going to get from Huddersfield as well at home. Yeah, I think I think they are a different side now. I mean, I, I think that Rotherham game that you touched on there, yes, in in some ways it's a good parallel and a good example, but I think it's it was very very early mm. in Beale's yeah. tenure. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I I got the impression he was still feeling his way around the team a little bit, working out who he had and and what worked and what didn't. Yeah. And obviously, Roberts got injured very early in that game, didn't he? And that kind of disrupted things a bit. Yeah. And, you know, yes, you're right. Sunderland definitely lacked creativity and a cutting edge that night. Um, you know, against a pretty limited Rotherham side, let's be absolutely honest about yeah. it. Um, but I think they're further down the line with Bale yeah. now. I think he has a better handle on what he's got and, and how he how he wants to set his side up and, and strengths and weaknesses, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think Sunderland are in a better position. And I think I think Huddersfield, like I say, this this iteration of Huddersfield will give Sunderland opportunities. I think mm. they'll probably be they'll, they'll probably carry more of a threat themselves than Rotherham did. And that's yeah, another yeah. question that Sunderland will have to look at. Um, they won't be as direct as Rotherham. They certainly play more football. They've got more pace about them. Um, but I think they'll give Sunderland chances. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's a funny time, isn't it, whenever you head to a club as well, where they've got a caretaker manager in charge because yeah. they're an unknown quantity then. You don't know what you're going to get from them, albeit they've still got the same players. You don't know how they're going to react to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, and uh, they're obviously... Um, you know they're obviously feeling their way through that kind of new era and what that's going to look like, and and the caretaker's kind of saying he doesn't want the job, but then there seems to be a bit of a groundswell behind him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So mm. yeah, we'll see how that pans out. But um, but you know, like like I keep on going back to, if, you know, if suddenly if, in any league, but certainly the championship and certainly this stage of the season, if you can take six points from two games in the space yeah. of four or five days. It's it's an absolutely massive kind of moment in terms of just strengthening where you are in that league and, and shooting you right up there. Um, and and we are starting to see little bits of gaps appearing now. Whereas whereas mm. before there was a whole host of teams in a massive heat. There still is to a degree. I take that. But you you know for example, Sunderland are now six um, yeah six clear of Borough. Borough are certainly six yeah. away from the playoffs. Well, if that becomes nine, then even with Sunderland yeah. haven't played a game more. That's starting to become a biggish gap with what 14, 15 games left you'd be at then. You know what I mean? So Yeah, definitely. While it is still congested, I think in the next four or five games, you will start to see which teams have a really genuine chance of making the playoffs and which are always going to be playing catch up and and kind of have getting towards the stage where they haven't to win five on the spin, say, to, to keep themselves right in amongst it come the end of the season. 
at the moment, Sunderland are not there. They have, you know, at least a little bit of breathing space to be right in amongst this battle. And, and that's what they need to keep. I think they also have, they're that close that they also can afford a slip up every now and again. You obviously can't afford too many. But yeah. that that's the one thing that they haven't done enough is draw enough games, in my opinion. They haven't drawn enough. They've, they've either won or lost. They need to, even if, to put together the, the run that they're on, they need to win and just not lose. That still keeps that momentum. It still keeps it going. And we saw from earlier in the season, again, like the, the Huddersfield game was was a really poor performance from Sunderland. But now you, you feel like they've, not riding the crest of a way, but they've turned a corner a bit in, in terms of coming up against sides in, in the bottom half. Now, I acknowledge it's early days, but the wins over Stoke and, and Plymouth have been positive in that sense. Yeah, well, they're three unbeaten in the league, aren't they? Yeah. And, it, and 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 if you can turn that into five or six unbeaten, yeah. even if there are two or three draws in there, then like I say, at this stage of the season, that's massive in the championship because, you know, invariably you're going to be taking points off teams that are in and around you because there's so many teams involved in the playoff race that, you know, w w one in every three or four games, you're going to be up against a team that's somewhere near you. Um. And it, and it just keeps that momentum going and keeps you in and around it. And like I say, you know, I keep coming back to it. But I think last season proved it. As long as you're in with a shot after Easter, then yeah. that's where you need to be. Because then one good run in the final month of the season gets you in there. Um, and Sunderland are at the very least at the moment keeping themselves right in amongst that. Just on the momentum, because... That was something that wasn't lost in the game against Plymouth when Michael Beale made the changes just around the hour mark. If anything, I think the introduction of Chris Riggan and Job actually maintained the, the push on. I mean, yeah. it's an interesting... I know I know Chris Riggs really highly rated, but again, it's, I think you just forget how young, not, not just he is, but how young Job is as well. And yeah, Job's yeah. just 18, but it, that that is... That's no mean feed chucking those like youngsters on when, and I know they were a young team and Job's played plenty of minutes in the championship this season, but chucking them on when you're 2-1 up is a bold move, isn't it? It is, but it's also evidence of of the depth that, yeah. that hasn't always been there this season or it hasn't felt... I, I think because, because a number of the subs on the bench in previous games have tended to be the strikers who we've had question marks about and who both, both Mowbray and... Beal at times have, have felt very reticent to throw on. And let's be honest, in a lot of games, it's felt like they've thrown them on with 15 minutes left just because, well, you, you're yeah. chasing the game, you've got a striker, you might as well do something. And they haven't impacted the game or changed it really at all. Well, if you've got the likes of Job or Rig with his energy on there, then I think that becomes a more appealing option in terms of being able to change a game or positively influence a game in the cores and stages than feeling like you've got to turn to a Mayenda because he's there. And and like I say, you, you kind of have to do something. So you throw him on without any real sense of purpose or belief in him. Well, that's not the case when you're throwing on a rig or a job or, you know, if Bar drops out of the team and he's there to come on for 20 minutes, you've got players there who will add real energy, real purpose, some real creativity and, and can change a game. And I, and I think at the moment, it feels like certainly in the central third, Mm. So have a lot of options. And yeah. if a couple of those players are on the bench, you do feel like they're going to be, be able to come on and actually do something. And like I say, you know, there's been chunks of the season where it's felt like the subs have really just been thrown on as a kind of 
cursory yeah. gesture. Well, it, it, well, that wasn't the case at the weekend. <clears throat> and hopefully it, it won't be the case between now and the end of the season either. Yeah, one of those who got his first sort of appearance in red and white and the senior set was Romain Mundell. I yeah. watched him for, for the under-21s and I thought he was bright, sharp, quick. Didn't get him in the game too much. But again, it's they're the type of games where you want to be feeding these players in and getting them minutes and slowly building them up to speed, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Mundell clearly is is a real unknown at the moment. But, yeah. you know, let's he, he could be a massively valuable presence between now and the end of the season, if only like we see it as a cameo appearance, but with real pace and yeah. an ability to get behind players and stretch tiring defences. Um, let's see. You know, at, at the moment, like I say, we still don't really know. And it'll be interesting to see if or when Beal decides to start with him. Probably still feels at the minute like that's a yeah. little bit away, l- largely yeah. because of the other options that that are blocking the route to the team at the moment. But you know, I suspect we will see him over the next two or three matches coming off the bench and being asked to make an impact in the latter stages of games. It'll be interesting to see how he looks and how he does. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we'll be hearing from Michael Beale ahead of the trip to to Huddersfield, and then hopefully again before the trip to Birmingham City. Um, Just just a quick uh, side note before we we call it a day. Obviously, we are in partnership with the the Farm Museum. We're holding a night there. Um, There's only a couple of tickets left from from what I've heard. Yeah, all of that should be good. Yeah, Yeah, we'll we'll be there. We'll be there listening to your lovely tones again, Scott. Week on Friday, isn't it? Yes, the 23rd. Yeah, 23rd. So yeah, should be a good evening if you haven't bought a ticket. Um, head over to the Farm Museum. Um, there's there's plenty of Sunderland red and white opinions there. Experts, shall we say, not including <laughs> my, in that obviously. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, we have, we have got better people coming than us too. I promise you that. Absolutely promise you that. I've seen the guest list. <laughs> yeah, no, but as I say, thanks for joining us this morning. Head over to We Are Sunderland, and you can take advantage of a launch offer, which is still there. There's plenty of tactical analysis, exclusive interviews and insight from former players. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe, and this will also be available on your podcast platforms. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you for joining me, Scott. No problem. Anytime. All the best, everyone.